Welcome to the Progressive Property Podcast. Helping you invest in property for freedom, choice and profit. You'll learn new, innovative and multiple streams of property income. Whether you want to start, scale or systemize. And even if you don't have deposits. Hi, Kevin McDonald here and welcome to the Progressive Property Podcast. We've got a really special podcast episode this week because it's going to be a bit of an interview between myself and someone else in the property industry, Andrew Harvey, or someone I've always known as Harvey, and maybe you've heard know him as Harvey Growth. So he's got a few different names. Let's get into a little bit about that as well. So Harvey, thanks for joining us. Um, for anyone who doesn't know Andrew Harvey or Harvey Growth or Harvey, or maybe they only know you in one of those ways. Could you tell us a little bit, I guess, about you and your property journey? And then what is your name and which one do you prefer? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I get asked this all the time. But look, the pleasure is absolutely mine. It's an honor. I've been following Progressive for a while, networking with you a little bit across uh, Clubhouse as well. And always been an admirer of everything you guys do. So it's an absolute honor to be on here. But yeah, my name is actually Chris and Andrew Lewis Alexander Harvey. But since school, I don't know, for whatever reason, in school, some, some people call both names. Like sometimes I've got a friend called Richard Gibbs. They called him Richard and I called him Gibbo, both. But for me, it's just course called Harvey to the point where some people who found out my name like 10 years later have known me for years, I only thought my name was Harvey. So when I first started networking, the first networking I've really done, I come to multiple streams of property income and I come there and I'm like, what do I introduce myself as? Because it's weird, like my girlfriend, my wife, well, my wife, nah, everybody calls me Harvey apart from my mum. So uh, it actually, it, I can't comprehend this like psychologically, but it actually feels odd when somebody calls me Andrew because nobody calls me apart from my mum. So when I come along to this network event, first time, I've never been networking, I was super nervous. It was multiple streams of property income in London. It was a massive event. Uh, Rob and Mark was still hosting it. When I've come along, like, I'm introduced myself and saying, oh, I'm, I'm Andrew, I'm Andrew, because I thought, well, I don't know, I didn't know how to kind of do it. But then after a while, I was meeting people, my old friends were crossing over, they was calling me Harvey, they was calling me Andrew, I was thinking, I don't know, I can't comprehend it, but this sounds odd. So I just said to everybody, do you know what, just call me Harvey, like, that's what feels more comfortable to me. So all my friends call me Harvey. Kev, I feel like we're, we're becoming good friends, so you're more than welcome to call me Harvey, and anybody else who wants to be friends with us also call us Harvey. I've only ever known you as Harvey, so that's good. Um, yeah. <laughs> so you've mentioned coming to a Multiple Streams of Property Income event in London, which, um, when was that? Uh, 20, the end of 2013. Had you been in property prior to that? Yeah, so, so literally, uh, I got my first property deal in 2009. Uh, I've done the classic thing, I think, I can't remember exactly. People ask me th this question all the time. Back then, I wasn't on the internet. Internet wasn't what it is today anyway in 2009. But I wasn't on the internet properly. I think I was reading a lot of the Gazette and the local pages of the properties in the local pages. And I stumbled across Homes Under the Am. And I was like, I want to get into property. So uh, I remember I was just about to buy my first house as well. And I was with a girl I wasn't really getting along with. And I was like, do I get by this house moving in with this girl? I've got this lump of money that I'm probably not going to be able to raise again. I'm going to tie myself to a mortgage. I've never read any books at this point. Never done any education or anything like that. But it's like, I'm going to tie myself to a mortgage and I could use this to, to follow my dream. So then I bought a piece of land, which was just a massive mistake, but I had no education. It was a mistake. And it was a mistake because it got me started. And luckily enough, the loss I had from that was a delayed loss. So I managed to get some other properties in the middle that give me the like the encouragement and the bug for it before I got a loss from this. And also when I got a loss from this, it was also at a time when I had other losses. So I sold that and it re 
it helped me out in the situation then. So, yeah, I come to multiple streams of property income, and it was at the point where I had a coffee shop that was found in. I'd only done, I'd done five property deals, so from 2009 uh, up until 2013, I'd done five buy-to-lets. I bought two locally, and I bought three in my remote location, and I had one piece of land, so I'd done six property deals at this point. And yeah, as I said, revolutionary is not the word. It, it, it kind of done two things for me. It blew my mind and made me massively overwhelmed and, and, and like, yeah, properly overwhelmed uh, and and burnt me out for a little while. But as a result, it rewired my mind into per personal education and being able to consume a higher volume of content because I started listening to about 100 books a year after that and reading and just was a, like obsessed with learning and the first course I've done was Mark Homer and uh, the HMO Daddy's course. Although after doing my first HMO, I was like, I'm not sure I really want to be dealing with multiple HMOs like the HMO Daddy was. And yeah, it's kind of like the single let's. But from there, after doing a bit of education, I accelerated it in about a two year period, bought about 50 properties where in a four or five year period before the education and before multiple streams of property income, uh, yeah, I've done five deals, so it, it really, really puzzles me when people say, "Is education worth it?" It, 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 it I, I had a similar journey in in terms of I bought land, I bought land. Do you still have your land? No, I sold it. As I said, I, I got into a bit of bother just as I come to market streams of property income. Uh, I, I was involved with another company that was a mastic company. Uh, we, uh, I had a coffee shop. The idea behind the coffee shop was I see this, see this little coffee shop thing, and I thought. I knew a girl that would always worked in sort of that industry, catering. So my friend's girlfriend, I was like, okay, why don't I put her in there? And I said it to him and she can run it and I'll set it up. And the sole purpose behind it was to raise more money for deposits. Not that I had any interest in being a Bristol or whatever it's called. Don't even know the name, it shows you how much interest I had. She gave up day two uh after opening it and i was in there like that googling how to make a cappuccino because i didn't know how to like operate the machine and one of the researchers i had look the last guy that owned it opened it sporadically that was one of the reasons it ran down and why it was it, it was available so yeah it was it was a stiff lesson and i got into a bit of a hole and that's when i come across multiple streams of property income i was like i've got to get back on track with property this is what i love i've got this coffee shop that's draining me i've got another business we come on this tax investigation at the same time quite legitly but it was something we'd done wrong at the back end i should have been down as as a managing director as opposed to how i was registered in there they find us and it just all seemed to be coming in at the same time and i was like well i need to get back to what i was enjoying doing and get back to it and yeah and, and and that's when i sold the piece of land dug myself out of the bits of holes i was in kind of and then just dug it the rest of it out by education and pushing myself forward with deals yeah i, I mean when i when i say i'd land at least you could sell your land I have a piece of land in Estonia, but I don't really have a piece of land. It was, um, you, you probably know this, I bought a property in Estonia off plan, but I, I bought on the, not the ground floor, I bought on the first floor. So um, it never got built. So I don't actually own the land. And I don't, I kind of own a bit of space in the sky that doesn't exist. So I don't really own anything. But um, that was my, my experience of land. So uh, yeah, uh, interesting start of people's property journeys. Yeah, and you mentioned something really interesting there, Harvey. About it, it, you know, it's, it blows it blows your mind sometimes when people go, oh, "Do you need education?" And like when I started off, I made loads of mistakes because I was trying to do it on my own. I bought off plan abroad, the wrong countries, the wrong areas. I signed contracts I didn't know what I was signing. Um, and after ten years in property, I was actually in a debt. So when, my first multiple streams was 2013. So n not n pretty much similar 
similar times, I guess, um, but probably different events. And um, it, the, the whole it blew my mind in terms of what was what was available, what you could do, um, the ways to do property correctly. And uh, it's over the last few years, I've built up a scalable business from doing that. But what were your what when you sort of restarted after the the cafe and the land and everything? Um, what you mentioned, you did a HMO training, you did your first HMO, and then you thought, now this isn't, you know, I don't really want to manage loads of tenants. So, what, where did you go with your property journey? What was the sort of the, the plan that you put in place? Yeah, so the pivot point of it and the realization, quickly before I jump on that, another little thing with it today with education to jump back to that before we move on, because it's interesting what you're saying when, as well, with when people say, Ah, uh, is property education worth it? The big thing you get today is because there's so much of abundance of free information, because even in 2013, the information wasn't the same as it is today. Like you just go on YouTube, online, on your podcast, on Rob's, and there's just bunch of bunch of information. But again, another thing that people underestimate is, as I said, I was listening to about 80 books a year. I'm reading about 20 a year. So doing roughly 100 books a year for about five or six years. And I had too much information. So without that, I, I, I went and done some training with Mark Omar, but it was a training thing and, and the HMO dating. Done a few individual bits of training. Even went to Bali and trained with a guy called uh, Roger Hamilton. Fantastic uh, guy, uh, Wealth Dynamics, two weeks deep dive. But then when I was collecting to my own devices, because I had all these ideas and all this information, I wasn't doing it structurally. So this is what, again, it was another point that nearly broke me because I didn't have the accountability, the coach in element of it and the mastermind element of it. This really nearly broke me down. Again, even though I've got momentum, I've got momentum and it started growing a bit too quick and was spreading in too many different areas because I had too much information, thinking I could do this, I could do that, I could do this, and didn't have that capability. So I feel even though the information's there today, knowledge, there's a knowledge action gap, first of all. People don't always take the information and action on it. But there's there's a massive thing for having that accountability in that group and that guidance aside of the information. Yeah, it's like no, it's like knowing more stuff that you just don't use. So you, you, yeah, you've got low info, information, 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 but no action plan, no steps, no um, guidance, no mentor to sort of take all of that, the knowledge from the hundred books and put it into an actual step-by-step -step plan for you, I guess. So you've got all this information, you've got all these books, you've read them, you've listened to them, you've done Roger Hamilton, you did the HMO thing, you, you, um, you know, you got your first deal and you went, hmm. I'm not sure about HMO. Maybe I want to do something else. What was it? So, what was your thought process? And then w you went into single lets, I believe. Is it mainly? Yeah, yeah. So it is a tough one for me as well because I'm a humble learner. I, I, I admire people who stand before me. I love the quote from Einstein where it says, "Like I'm, I'm what I am because stand on the shoulders of greats that stood before me." It really baffled me when everybody tries to work out themselves. So, come to multiple streams of property income. Started working a few of these bits out, and I. Obviously, this is a sign. We was having a bit of banter on this before we actually got online. But everybody, when I went to Mark Swing's property income, said only invest within an hour from where you live. So I was born in Stratford. And then from, from the age of about six, grew up in a little village called Averley. And Averley just doesn't work as an investment location. It's not got enough stock. The price is a bit too high. The yields are too low. HMOs don't work there. There's no training links or major employers. It just don't work. So back then when I done my first deals, I naturally realized that this, like instinctively just went, this don't work. So I looked a little bit further afield. So my first piece of land was in Chadwell, and that was about 20 minutes away. Then the first property I bought was in Stop uh, South Bend, sorry. And that was uh, roughly about an hour away. 
this was the real realizing point of it. So I went to my, I got that, that I got another buy to let. Then I bumped into a guy from Stockton on Tees who met a girl that I knew. So he had over 70 properties in the area. He had a team that managed them. He's got several businesses. Property was a side hustle for him. He's got several businesses, done developments. And he moved down, met a girl I knew. I didn't know anybody. So he was playing golf two, three times a week. So that was the key element for me. It was like, okay, he's got the knowledge and network and the understanding of the area supported me in them first steps into the area. So he, I went there, I bought my first three deals. So the last one I bought in the South was, I think I needed 40 odd K at the time. And I, I stumbled across buy refurbishment mortgage. Uh, and this is before multiple streams property income, but I only managed to refinance that 11 K. And I was like, I'm gonna get stuck here somewhere. How do I do this? When, then I bumped into this guy and I was a bit nervous about it, but uh, I, I went and just bought a deal and I managed to do the first three deals where I refinanced that pretty much all my money and a fantastic cash flow and no single lets. And it was pretty hassle free at that time. It became a bit more challenging as I scaled a bit quicker. But at that time, it was like, oh, wow. So that's why I got a coffee shop. I was like, what I'm going to do is I'm going to get this coffee shop to pay towards. I worked out, I was thinking I'm going to earn about £800,000 a week from the coffee shop. That can pay towards deposits in the middle of me doing the refinances. So, like, it never went to plan. The coffee shop was a disaster. They ended up losing me lots of money. As I said, I had another business that was I wasn't paying attention to that I was a bit of partner involved with that ended up kind of the investigation and lost money there. Typically, three of my tenants moved away at the same time. I was like, look, I need to get back to property. And that's when I went to multiple streams of property income. I was very aware, aware of that first. Then I see, I was like, oh, HMOs, like HMO Daddy, Mark Homer, credible people. And every single person on that stage had only invested within an hour from where you live. So I was like, okay, I'm a humble learner. I'll take it, like, I'll take that on the chin. Let's invest within an hour. So off the back of that, I raised a JV Finance. So I've done a no money down deal on HMO, completely no money down. When people say, can you do no money down? Yes, it was, a, it was money involved. He's money, not mine. So 100% HMO, no money down deal. But it needed quite a bit of money. So I was a bit nervous about raising that amount and going into it. But no money down is definitely possible because I've got HMO off the back of it. Uh, but then I soon realized what went into HMOs. And no matter what anybody says, HMOs are more intensive. You can systemize it to make it more simplistic, but then systems still take the time and effort to get in place, still takes time and effort to hire staff. Get it. Like I knew what to do because I've gone on Mark Homer's and HMO's daddy's course. So it wasn't about knowing what to do, it's about getting that implemented correctly. And even though I hired people, my hiring skills was like, here's a laptop, you're hired sort of thing, here's what to do, spurt out everything in my head that I'd learned on these courses. And expect the best you know and and unfortunately kind of didn't happen but either way we got that we had loads of like kind of planning issues and little bits with the council tenants was a pain in the bum and and then around the same time my first place i bought in south end which was within an hour of away the tenant moved out so my friend was a tenant so he moved out and he stayed there for about six years and then within a week of the new tenant moving in and i funny enough back then because i was trying to recover the money and the debt i was in at the time uh, I, I moved the tenant in and, and done the viewings. And she was like, what's it like around here? She was only a 15 minute drive, no, 10 minute drive away. And I said, you know the area, cause it's not the greatest, but I'm, I'm advertising this as a free bedroom. If you want a free bedroom, you'd have to pay at least 300 pounds more. So like, do you know the area? It's just, it is what it is for the price. I didn't try and fool her. She went, yeah, yeah, no, it's fine. Within a week of her, uh, of her being there, she phoned up and goes, oh, there's prostitutes walking past my house. So I was like, I kind of did ask you if you knew the area. And you said, yeah, you did. So this was the breaking epiphany point for me. I was like, that was a within an hour away. I bought that and it turned out to be right in the middle of a red light district, uh, heroin and, and addicts area. So this wasn't like Amsterdam when you go there, it's quite cool, all the, all the bars and coffee shops. This was like 
ladies of the night walking for their fix, heroin addicts, and walking past my flat trying to get their fix. And then, to top it off, four hours down from where I bought was a drug rehabilitation centre. So the same ladies that was walking at night, walking around at night time, would be queuing up in the morning to get their rehabilitation. Luckily, I moved my friend in, and I think he kind of liked them ladies of the night walking around, and he stayed there for six years. But this really made me realise, wow, I don't know within an hour, no better than a new Stockton on Tees. But in fact, a new Stockton on Tees better because I had my friend there and he knew it inside out because he had over 80 properties, done over 100 deals there, over 70 still remaining deals. So I was like, also, I'm buying referred with Morgan. I'm having to raise, raising finance is much easier on a lower amount than it was on a higher amount. So I was like, I know everybody's telling me I only do it locally, but the, the area I knew inside out was Avery because I grew up there from six, but you can't invest there. So I had no strategic advantage of investing like low, like even an hour away. Obviously, the drive was a bit more of a pain, but the what I weighed up the pros and cons of it. Like, okay, a few hours like, extra in the car, or a 15k deposit. Don't 50, 60k deposits. Recycle out maybe 20, 30k, or recycle out nearly all my money. Yields are like eight, ten percent. So I weighed it up and looked at the drives and just weighed up the option. Where I knew that guy, I was like, yeah. I wouldn't have done it without him, without a shadow of doubt, and it was a random meeting. But today, as I say to people, randomness don't have to be like it was for me. I randomly met him. But the internet today, because of groups like progressive property groups and these Facebook groups that they are, my network is 90% from me now, not from that guy I met, because I'm active in the Facebook groups. And all the people say, I'm from I'm from Stockton on Tees, I know you, blah, blah, blah. And yeah, I've, I, I've built a network off the back of social media. How did you know that guy to start with? Yeah, so he met a girl that I knew and he just moved down here. So he moved down and it's random. I've never got that much of attention with him. When did he find the deals for you? No, he just said to me, look, if you find a deal, you show me and I'll tell you that's a good area, not a good area. Because of course there's areas like my South End property up there. And it does, it differs from street to street. Like you could go like literally two streets up. But he's a professional property investor. Yeah. Okay, so um, one of the, one of the reasons, so like when I heard, when I went to my first multiple streams, I, I live in a little village in the West of Ireland, a place called Swinford in Mayo. Literally, if you blink, blink on your way by, you'll miss it. It's about 1200 people. And I remember sitting in the room and they said the same thing to me about you invest local. And I was thinking, you know, eight mile radius of your home. And I'm thinking, bloody hell, eight mile radius of my home. There's like two houses. So how do I find something eight mile radius of my home? But what, what they really mean is, um, and what we really mean, because I now teach myself on the multiple streams, is that you pick an area and then you, you invest within eight mile radius of that area. And you pick an area, then you become the subject matter expert of that area. Because quite often I meet people and they say, well, you know, I'm living in Birmingham at the moment, but I only just moved there from Manchester. So I don't really know Birmingham. I say, well, okay, but you know Manchester better then it, that could be your area. Just don't invest in... Birmingham, Manchester, Leeds, Liverpool, Glasgow, everywhere. So I know you're known as the remote property investor, but do you buy all over the country? Or do you buy in one remote area? Absolutely, yeah. B brilliant uh, observation as well. So yeah, one area, and, and I'll teach people this now. And I say to them, look, don't. That's what I learned. Don't scattergun it. That's exactly what I used to say there. Do not scattergun it. Your your network's your network. Your network is your net worth. It sounds cliche. I really don't like the saying, but I say it all the time because I can't think of any better way to say it. It takes time and effort to build up a network. You can't meet somebody once for a coffee and, oh, okay, we're best friends now. You can give me all the best deals. It takes consistent time and effort. It's builders, agents, surveyors, all these things take consistent time and effort. It's exactly the same. I'm Stockton. I've got property in Middlesbrough and I'd go across to Darlington, but it was within reach of my one lettings team, my one build team, 
So that is my rule of thumb. Look, if one builder can reach all of them, I'll take it on. If one letting agent can reach all of them, I'll buy them. But other than that, but even then, I don't buy much in Darlington and I don't buy much in Middlesbrough because I just don't know the areas that well. So I can look in Stockton there. As soon as an outhouse comes on, I know in my head what it's worth, what sort of street it is, just by looking at it. And I haven't got the time and patience to emulate that again in Darlington. So I knew that took a lot of time to, to do that. So 100% one location. One thing I do say, people, if you're in an area that works, matches you, don't do it remotely. You can do it locally. 100% do that locally. Like, uh, and, and you mentioned, obviously, HMO with a single let. You, you do single lets. But, I mean, I can imagine if you did a HMO in Stockton, and you've got ladies of the night going by. I mean, you you could end up with a, a brothel, not a HMO. So <laughs> I can get why you'd stick to single let. So HMO is a great cash flowing strategy, but on the right type of property in the right locations. And the type of property for a HMO is completely different to the type of property for single let. I've got a, I've got a mixture of both. And the reason I have a mixture of both is when I started my property journey, I, I thought I was diversifying by buying in Turkey, Bulgaria, and Estonia. But actually I was scattergunning, which you touched on, scattergunning all over the place. Diversifying doesn't mean scattergun. Diversify also doesn't mean that you do some property, some um, stock market, some Bitcoin, some you know crypto, whatever, different things. Diversifying to me is diversifying within my property business. So I've got some HMOs, I've got some singlets, which are in a different, different streets i've got in the single lets and in the hmos we've got working tenants in certain properties we've got um council tenants in certain properties like universal credit um we've got white collar workers we've got blue collar workers we've got supported living so you even though it's a single let you can diversify the tenant type across it so you're not having all of your rent coming from one location and this is really important through the lockdown as well where if everybody had um workers who were in your properties and those workers were, I know we're talking about remote property investing. What about remote pr workers, people living remotely and then they're off work and their properties are empty are all students and there's no university open. Suddenly you've got a problem. But if you've got some universal credit, if you've got some council paying you, if you've got some supported living providers paying you, if you've got some students, some professionals and you diversify your tenant type, you protect yourself. So I guess, Harvey, your, what's your thoughts on that stuff as well? And, and what's your tenant plan? Yeah, 100% agree. So I've, I've got a few HMOs. Just, just got an offer accepted last week on another HMO for myself. So I don't mind them. I, just don't want, I didn't want to be the HMO daddy at the time. He had 800 rooms, something like that. <laughs> Harvey, you know what? He had 800 rooms and they were all DSS, like universal credit. So it was, it was all in one pot. Well, not really diversified. So yeah, so what's your thoughts on... I guess not just HMO over single let, but you got a bit of both. What's your thoughts on the on the remote area, but the diversifying within that area? Absolutely. So similar again. So uh, I've got a diversification of stock. So we've got some in my area, the sweet spot for yield, long term tenants, and uh, and and getting the better sort of value and not so much competition from first time buyers is around sort of sixty to eighty k. That's the kind of sweet spot. Any lower, you're just going into problem areas. Uh, you can pick the odd one up lower, but that's round about the sweet spot. And it, 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 it is using the methodology what I learned from Progressive. Look, look at the Bronx, that, that 60 sort of 70k mark, that's just that above that, where you get either blue collar sort of style workers or, or benefits. So the low income, and, and I like that because they usually attract a longer term tenant. They're not a home buyer mindset. 
But then also I've got some properties I bought up there for around the 100k mark, which is professional style tenants, which even though contrary to popular belief, there is capital growth in the northeast. Every area's got micro economies within micro economies. So we've got some areas that have been absolutely desolated or over the last year it's kind of changed. But, but up until last year when the property world went absolutely bonkers. Uh, we had some areas that was really poor and it's still even dropping here and there. But then you've got these little micro pockets that have got a bit more capital growth, more sellers. So yeah, I've got some like the higher end like tenant styles and I'm, I know that I'm gonna have a higher turnover with them because they're home buyers. If they can buy a home for 150K and they can get a 5%, 10% deposit and their rent is still relatively cheap at 650, 700 pound a month, they're going to move on fairly quicker, but it's a different style house at that diversification. Got some blue collar workers, I've got some benefit style workers, and the same for you. It was a blessing for me throughout through, throughout the lockdown. I think single let properties is a good foundation for this. Even at the start of the last lockdown, I was keen listening to what Mark Homer was saying. I think he's got one of the smartest business brains in property. I think uh, Rob's obviously got one of the smartest marketing brains, but the combination obviously great. But he was like, still saying that single let properties are your foundation. And, and don't get me wrong, there's always an exception to the rule. There's always some people can jump up into a HMO straight away, or there's some people that, that, that need to do rent to rent because it's the area and it matches what they're, they're doing. But for me, I call it uh, the KISS methodology, like the keep it simple, stupid. I say, look, if you're going to do a remote one especially, do a KISS refurb. Don't take on a HMO because most HMOs today, you need on suites. You need, you need to do it all singing or dancing because of the competition. So you don't want to be taking on an 80, 90 grand sort of refurb in an area that you don't know the build as well, you're not there all the time, you know, like you want to start on a simple one because even when you've got experience, refurb mistakes happen or quote, like your, your judge of how much it cost runs out and do it at a manageable level where you can mitigate these, cut your teeth, iron out the mistakes, trial people out and then slowly graduate up. So then in my area, that's what I've done. I've got some single lets, then some HMOs. Once I had a better supported team in the area, I tried out some people with the management side of it as well so but yeah 100 percent agree that diversification within the same field is i think where it's at now i want to challenge you on something as well because you said a couple of interesting things and the buying remotely it, it works you've got to have a team though you've got to have everything in place now you had a guy who you knew who was in property and you knew him through a, a friend a, a girl you knew so you kind of already had that trust and that rapport and, and credibility and stuff and he was willing to help you. For most people, if they're starting out in property and they live in London and they're thinking, do I go north? They don't have somebody to meet. They don't have somebody they already know. And then maybe they have to pay a deal packager. So I know this guy wasn't sourcing you the deals, but they'd have to, if they found their own deals that have nobody to do the viewing that they knew understood property, or they'd have to pay a deal packager to find them a deal. And then they're thinking, oh, will the deal packager find me a deal on the street that they'd buy themselves on? And then they've got to manage a refurb remotely. They've got to try and, you know, test, keep it simple, stupid by testing a, per, a person. Should they keep it simple, stupid in their own area for that first deal to, you know, test the process of can they do property? Do they know how to find it? And then replicate it in a remote area or, you know, why not? Or do they do a rent to rent locally? So what, what I do is I do a lot of rent to rent. But the reason I do rent to rent is that I use the income from those to actually fund single lets. So higher cash flow in property, rent to rents and HMOs to fund single lets. And where I think a lot of people get this wrong is they're trying to buy single lets and then go up to HMOs and go up to commercial as the next step. But they get stuck trying to buy single lets because the cash flow is lower. They've got to wait longer. 
while rent to rent's a great strategy not to get you out of your job but actually to create cash to then buy the singlets for the long term because i don't want to have we've got nearly what well, just just over now 200 multi-let rooms between myself my jv partners and rent to rents and i don't want to be managing them when i'm 70 i mean in 50 years time or something when i'm 70 or 20 years time but i don't want it 30 30 years time 30 years time I don't, want to be, I don't want to be managing those things. I want single lets. Maybe my kids don't want to manage them. So um, I get your bit on single lets, but the cash flow of HMOs is really good. Um, but what about, Harvey, what about this thing of keeping it simple, stupid in your local area first and then replicating it remotely? Or how does somebody who's looking to start remotely do it when they didn't have? Because I know there'll be people listening to this going, well, that was okay for Harvey, because he had the mate's mate. <laughs> yeah, what a brilliant question. And something I get faced across all the time. So that was my methodology as well. Before I, I, before I come to my stream of property income, I come across a guy, and this is what planted the seed initially, that initial little seed. I remember getting my first laptop in about, after I got my first few deals, getting my first laptop and getting online and just surfing around. Didn't know much, didn't know what books to read. It, it's not like it is today. But I come across a guy called AJ, and he's in Wantford. So it's literally 20 minutes up the road from from where I am in Avery. Uh, it's great in London now. It used to be Essex as well. But uh, And he was buying properties all around the country. And he was talking about, this is the first guy I come across that, that field. I didn't know anything about education or property. And he was talking about yield, BRR, using other people's money. And I'm embarrassed to say, I bought a piece of land and two properties, no, one property, sorry, before I even knew what yield was or what BRR was. Kind of embarrassed and kind of not embarrassed. I just took action and done it anyway. But uh, But yeah. That was the planting of my seed, but that's exactly what I thought. I thought, you know what? I'm not going to go to a new location. I'm going to learn how to do a few locally, find out how long it cut my teeth, look how long it takes to do a kitchen and what to expect, and then go to a new location. Funny enough, that was the first conversation I had with this guy. We was playing golf, and he said, what are you doing? I said, I'm trying to build up portfolio. That's what I'm aiming at. And he said, have you ever looked at the north? And I said, exactly that. I'm going to buy, hopefully, about 10 locally. Then I'll look in the north, cut my teeth, because I don't know anybody. He said, you do. You know me now. So... Uh, I think there's not a right and wrong to this. I think sometimes what I do with people when I sit down with them and work out, try and work out a, a plan for them is I say, look, start with your why because there's different things, different things that people want from life. Some people just want a little bit of a passive income and an asset to own. Some people want to grow it into a portfolio. So you've got to have different attacks for different sort of end plans. So if you want to leave your job and you want to get out of there really quick and build a portfolio and then start buying assets. Rent to rent is absolutely phenomenal to do that. Get out your job quick, create cash flow. You can put it towards deposits. You can get a bit of experience cutting your teeth because you're not going to do massive refurbs. Like similar, I didn't understand rent to rent until I read your book. Because I was, I was seeing some guys and it, it, a guy was, uh, what's his name? Steve, I can't remember his surname. He was, he was in your mastermind. And we met up once and just networking and he was lending people money to start their rent to rents. And I said to him, out of curiosity, how much do people spend on rent to rents? He said, it seems some people are spending like 15 grand on them doing like on suites and everything. I was like, how does that work? Like, but they're only clearing like 500 pound a month. You get an empty room, the advertising. I'm like, that 15 grand without doing anything to it, you can just buy a single let and clear 300 pound a month and probably be the same sort of money in at the, at the, at the end of the year. Uh, I was like, I don't get how it works. Then I read your book, like anything, you don't get it. You kind of are lost with it. So I was lost with the rent to rent strategy. I was thinking, really sort of thing? But then I read that and he was like, you've got to recover your money within a six month period. Like, And I was like, ah, that makes more sense to me now. Yeah, they do. I, I, I see a lot of people who think, oh, rent to rent is a great way to get started in property. 
I'll just do it because it's easy. It's easy in. And then what they do is they do it without understanding what rent, rent actually is, without any training. And they spend 15 grand on something that would take them three years to get the money out. It's ridiculous. It's nuts. Um, it, it's, it's a cash flow strategy. You've got to get your money back out within six months. So we, this is the power of understanding what you're doing and, and understanding how to work that out. But um, yeah, so, so, so important is, is the right strategy, but in the right area and in the right way, doing it in the right way. So yeah, keep going, Harvey, because this is good. I would just keep. Yeah, absolutely. So again, some people I say to them, rent to rent is going to be a great one for you. Move out your job, build it up, and then start thinking about assets. Because the thing is, for most people to cut your teeth locally in and around London, it just don't work. Full stop. You need eighty hundred grand for a deposit if you want to buy an asset. This is and a single let. You know, you need eighty hundred grand for an asset. You uh, you you then be lucky to recycle any of your money even if you force the appreciation up enough quite often on a single let the rent multiplier like is not enough for the stress test from the bank so even if you've got equity in them it gets trapped in them i've got some properties down in the south which is quite nice for my ego to say my net worth's this much but net worth don't pay my bills every month it's kind of nice for the banks in my position but i've got some with around 50 percent uh loan the value on them because I can't lend any more against them because the rents don't stack up as a single let enough to, to re refinance it. So for me, sometimes it's like you've got to weigh out what you want. Some people, like, do you really like property or do you just want a little side income? Because there's trade-offs. If you want to be a rent-to-rent -rent manager, at the front end of it, you're going to be that manager. You're going to have to do it. You're going to have to like get involved with it. It is a lot more moving parts. That's why 100%, yeah, you need the education to do that correctly because it's not as easy to just get it, chuck some tenants in. Like The regulations and the changing of law, what's happening every year, what's happened over the last five years, is just unreal and nuts. And I don't think everybody fully comprehends that as well when they're going into some of these things. But... Uh, but for some people, they don't want to be a manager of properties. I've seen people do it in London. They've got rent to SAs or rent to rents, realize, wow, like I've got a nine to five with a family that basically I'm not spending no time with my family now. I've got into property for property freedom and I'm not got no freedom. I don't want to give up my job. But you see what they do, see, and this is one of the things I always say to people is um, you, if you're going to get into a strategy, whether it be buying property, single letting property, rent to rent and property, it's about your plan. The plan and what they do is they start off doing either rent to hmo or rent to sa and then they create a job because they don't put together a plan and if i had my time over again i started with rent to rent 2013 14 15 and i hired my first i started doing joint ventures and stuff in 2016 17 and i i opened up a letting agency in 2017 and i hired staff 2017 but if i had my time over again my at the start in 2013 i was trying to replace my income 2750 a month that was my only target 2750 a month 2750 a month when i got to 2750 a month i actually got to three grand because that the deal i did took me past the 2750 to just under three grand but now, now i was on three thousand plus 2750 i was on 5750 and that was decent money so i stayed in my job but what i should have done and it slowed me down is if I had my time over again, I would have took that entire three grand I was making and invested it into systems, staff, people that would have scaled the business even more. Because you, the, as soon as I started taking people on, my business started to really expand because what was happening was I wasn't paying for staff. I used to think I might pay for staff. I was buying time. I was buying time. 
and I've got four people now that work for me full time, that's, that's 140, 80, 120, 160. That's 160 hours a week of time that I've bought so I can sit here and interview you. So, um, it, but I left it too long. And a, a lot of people make this mistake of they, they're just taking on a property and taking on a property and taking on a property and their time's reducing because they don't have put in, they haven't thought about the systems, they haven't thought about the plan, they haven't thought about any of that stuff. And just before we carry on, Harvey, um, you mentioned a couple of things, and we're on the Progressive Property Podcast, so I know a lot of our listeners are, when well, maybe you're new to property, maybe you're starting off in property, and Harvey said that um, he, he felt embarrassed that he didn't know what BRR was or what yield was. So if you're listening in and you don't know what BRR or yield is, then BRR is buy, refurbish, well, it's BRRR, buy, refurbish, rent, refinance. So you buy a property, you refurbish it, you rent it out to prove the income, and then you refinance it to pull your money back out, to recycle your money, and to use it on the next deal, or pull as much of your money out as possible. And then yield, yield is your rental income, so your rental income monthly, multiplied by 12 months, so your annual rental income, divided by, and now this is where a lot of people get yield wrong, or you a different calculation you want to be careful of this so yearly rental income annual rental income divided by in my opinion total money spent so your purchase costs your your purchase price so the stamp duty the finance cost the legals the purchase price whatever you've spent to buy the property and the refurb money so your total money spent a lot of people look at yield against the purchase price, which can make it look bigger than it actually is because you've spent money on finance, you know, on like um, mortgage broker fees, um, legal costs on the buy-in, stamp duty. So try and include all your money when you're doing your, your yield calculation. So annual income divided by total money spent. My preferred calculation is what's called the return on capital employed, ROCE. And how you work that out is not your yearly income, because you could, you could be renting a house out for 500 quid a month, six months, uh, 12 months, sorry, would be six grand. So 500 a month for 12 months, 6,000 pounds. So your income is, is um, 6,000 for the year, but your expenditure is seven. So it's a little bit distracting your yield. What you need to be thinking about is your return on cash employed, or return on capital employed. So what I want to know is my annual profit, not my annual in rental income, my annual profit from that rental income. So income minus all costs, minus mortgage, minus management fees, minus maintenance, income minus all costs, divided by whatever money I've got left in after doing the right refinance. So buy, refurbish, rent, refinance, I've got some money left in, what's my annual profit divided by the money left in, that as a percentage will give you the percentage return on capital employed. So for anyone who's new to property, new to the podcast, um, they're the calculations I'd be looking at. So Harvey, um, you're also launching, I mean, we're on the Progressive Property Podcast right now. You're also launching a podcast, I believe. Is that right? Absolutely. Yeah. The Remote Property Investor Podcast. Uh with uh with progressive uh podcast agency so done the training again so when i went to launch a podcast jumped on rob moore's training got the education uh understood how to do it realized as well i'd rather support with that exactly going back to what you were saying now it was like i could try and do this all in the ass and and 
do all the bits or hire somebody. Because even going back to what you said there, I was probably on the polar opposite of you. I tried hiring people too quick before I understood systems properly or how to hire people correctly. Uh, and even my first systems was sheets of paper, writing it down. But I wasn't a manager either. So we had these systems there, but it was never getting implemented. But uh, for me, when I looked at Slaughter's podcast, I was like, do I use the agency that Rob's got? And obviously they've qualified himself, done the training with them, love what Rob and that does. Or do I try and hire somebody? Because I'm never going to do it myself. I'm never going to edit, edit all this stuff myself. I'm never going to upload it to these places or even work that out. But it's like, do I want the responsibility of hiring somebody, managing them, or do I want to give it to this agency that can just take the whole full responsibility off my, off my back? And the, the decision for me was a no-brainer and very, very easy because I know how difficult it is to find good staff, keep them retained, keep them managed, and I didn't want that responsibility. I'm not putting people off. I love hiring staff. I've hired, I hire staff. My staff, I've got remote staff around the world and around the country as well, and I, I encourage people to hire staff, but it, you definitely got to educate yourself how to hire. Everybody thinks, like the email book, it's as easy as, oh, just dedicate to somebody. You're going to get this person in shining armour riding on a white horse that's going to go, I can read your mind. I'm going to just take this all out of your mind and we'll do everything exactly how you want it to be done with you just giving me a few little prompts and cues and you can go off doing interviews with Kevin and going to the beach. Why, I'm going to do everything for you. And unfortunately, you do need a process behind the process to manage people, to hire people as well. But definitely you would advocate that and it probably nicely brings that back to that question you were saying a minute ago as well about cutting your teeth i don't think there's a right or wrong i think for some people it works to do rent to rents locally some people like single lets just don't work i don't i don't encourage there's always an exception of a rule and, and i've done this off of a i modeled this off of robert kiyosaki pretty much everybody i guess who's listening to this have heard of robert kiyosaki and the cash flow quadrant I've modelled this, and I said that there's an investor quadrant. You've got four types of property investor. You've got your hands-free, part-time, solopreneur, and entrepreneur investor. So your hands-free is somebody that just pays. What we do portfolio building for people. So just pay pay somebody. My my friend's a chiropractic uh, uh, clinic owner, health coach. He's got no. He's not even looked at your properties. He just wants to know: Are you buying the right properties for us? Is it giving us return? Are you looking after tenants? And that's it. He's not even. He just wants a better return on his money. So he's hands-free. I know another guy that. He's a part-time investor. He works for Google, never wants to get up his job, but he wants to be part-time. And he is that guy who did try rent to rent. And he's like, takes up too much of my time. I don't want to take team members on. I just want a few, buy but he's interested in it. So he likes going to network events. He likes doing a few things. So he just wanted to buy a few little single lets and he was he was interested in it. Then you've got your solopreneur, who's the guy like where, where we was, as you said, in two fat before two fat, when you was at three grand, you're doing everything yourself. So you are the business, you're doing everything yourself. Some people actually do like that. I think most people get bottlenecked there because they're too afraid to give it away and go through the teething pains of hiring people, learning how to manage people because it's a skill that you have to learn and, 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 and get used to. And then you've got your entrepreneur. Somebody sets it up very much like yourself, Kev, who's a business that can operate with or without them, you know? So like whether you go on one of Elon Musk's missions to Mars for three years and come back, your business will still be standing there because it's got procedures, how to hire, how to manage, how to, how to, how to grow your business still without you. So it's, people got to be really aware of what they want. So for me, I say, look, if you want different, the different things you want, depending on the strategies that you might be looking at, depending on where you are in, in, in the country, so, yeah, then for some people, it can work first time, but it's definitely trade-offs. So, so then people that just don't want rent to rent, don't want to be managed, don't want to hire people, don't want to take on employees, happy with their job, pays well, just want a few assets. 
I have leveraged other people's knowledge, but the random meeting, that question you said, is not so random today. It's, the internet has rapidly changed that. Even if I, I lived, I've lived in Brentwood for seven years now, and I couldn't tell you the best areas or the bad areas. They're all bad areas for me. The prices are too high, the rents are too low. So they're all bad areas for me. But I couldn't tell you the best or the bad, even though I've lived there for seven years. But if I was to start here, I think there's a place for network events, but the network on steroids is online. You know, you go online, you go into these communities. There's a community. You, if you want to go to Doncaster, you can find a property community in Doncaster. You can go and progressive property uh, Facebook community. And there's tons of these with all like-minded people already accumulated together. And this, what it does, as opposed to the old-fashioned networking, the old-fashioned networking was you go around meet people. You meet 12 people in the room if you're lucky to speak to them under the under the time permitted. Then two out of 12 might be a bit of a match. Then you've got to follow them up and see if they are a bit of a match for JB or investment or whatever it is you, you want to connect with them for. So time consuming. We're online. You're online. You're connecting with people. You're doing content. People connecting with you. Then you just check out their profile and go, oh, look, they've got similar interests. That might be worth exploring it. So it rapidly fast forwards it. So as I said, 90% of my network now is not from my friend who I initially met. It's from me just turning up online, doing content, and people going, I'm from that area. Like, do you want to meet up? Do you want to have a Zoom today? It was, but back then, I used to go there every fortnight because I was serious about building a portfolio and we was buying sort of two or three properties a month. So I used to go every two weeks. And yeah, you can easily build networks, even whether it's local or remotely, all online. Everything you can do remotely can be done virtually. There is a few trade-offs along the way. But you've got to work out that trade-off of, look, do I want to be a property manager? Do I want to hire people? Or do I want to have a low barrier to entry? And I say to some people, just go and find a source of it. Make sure you qualify, disqualify them. Put them through a stringent list of questions. Check them out on their profiles online. All good sources are online today, so you can see their social proof. Ask them just leading questions and make sure you qualify them really well. And then potentially just outsource it to them. It's going to cost you maybe 5K, but they'll do everything from the refurb to finding it to moving the tenant in. So just work out what you want. If you want time and freedom and you've got a really good income over here, just pay someone to do it. And But if you're in London, paying someone to do it, you might need 100K deposits as opposed to 20K. Somebody in London might have 20K disposable income every six months, not 100K disposable income. That's, yeah, that's going to be every four years, you know, and lower yields. So, yeah, it's all, it's not right way and wrong way, I think. It's just working out. The most important thing really is just get started. If Absolutely. you're watching this, get started in property, wherever it may be, just get started get moving in the property journey. I think me and Harvey could debate this for hours, but you're probably heading towards, if you're listening to this now, the end of your commute to work and you're like, no, I don't want to go to work. I want to hear more of this. <laughs> Maybe we can get Harvey on again for another interview on the podcast. Maybe Harvey might get me on his podcast. You need Absolutely. to go on Harvey's new podcast. Harvey, what are you going to be covering on that? So is it all about remote property? Are you going to be interviewing people? What's the plan? Yeah, absolutely. I've interviewed your colleagues. So we've got our poll. I was a good student. They said, get get, get a number of uh, episodes ready. And I got commended by the back-end team of the podcast team saying, oh, wow, you've got more episodes ready than usually we're chasing people. But I've already interviewed David, your buddy, and uh, the power in there. You're definitely on my hit list to be on there. But it's around remote investing, so I'm going to do some sort of guidance around how you can set up. So uh, after the coffee shop failure and all that, I had a bit of a burnout as well. I had too much information going in my head and just frazzled my head. And I said to myself then, I'm going to have monthly breaks. So I need to, not just because I'm investing in, a, in an area that's 250 mile away, it's because I want my wife's from Holland as well, so we go there five or six times a year if we're not in lockdown. So I'm like, I need to be able to run this from my phone. So my mission was to take all the information I've got and try and 
put that into a way where I could do that all virtually. Last year, everybody had to do it virtually. Everybody had to be a virtual investor in lockdown one because you had no choice. But whether you're doing this locally or remotely, understanding systems and running it through CRMs, softwares, and understanding the same methodologies is really important to push yourself forward. Property is a business now. It's never been, it's always, it's still lots of money to be made in property, but it's much more of a professional space than it used to be. Before you could just buy a property as a little side hustle, and and that was it, and the, the market would drive you up. But now you really need to do it as a as a, as a correct business. So it's all around the systems and processes to do it remotely or in your own town and set it up that way. But also interviewing great people like yourself. So yeah, I definitely want you on the podcast, Kevin. When do you launch? Um, you got to talk to the guys in the background. I think Harry. I think we're getting the last bit. I think this is this is the last one we're doing now for the launch process. So hopefully it should be within the next two or three weeks week, weeks time. Keep an eye out for it, guys. Keep an eye out for Harvey's podcast. Um, what's it called again, Harvey? The Remote Property Investor. I, 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 uh, I, I, I uh, polled that in all the groups. Rob's on there on the on the launch ones as well. I interviewed Rob on there. So, yeah, really excited about it. So, Remote Property Investor podcast. Keep an eye out for it. Um, you've been listening to Andrew Harvey, or Harvey, um, Remote Property Investor podcast. Um, I've been Kevin McDonald. You've been listening to the Progressive Property Podcast. Remember, we're out every single week. Um, make sure you've subscribed. Make sure you're, um, you like it, the, the podcast, share the podcast, and head over to the Progressive Property Facebook community. Tag me in. Let me know what you think about the interview. Let me know what you think of Harvey. Let me know um, what you think of his podcast once it's out. Um, Harvey, um, best of luck with the launch. Best of luck with the podcast. I know you're doing, going to do absolutely awesome. And Thanks for coming on and sharing the, some of your journey with us today and also a little bit of a debate around local or not local. Um, I really enjoyed today's episode. I know that our, our audience will have as well. Um, thanks to Harvey. And I've been Kevin McDonald. You've been listening to the Progressive Property Podcast. You're absolutely awesome. I'll see you next week. Thank you, Kevin. Absolute pleasure. And keep doing what you're doing in Progressive. It's a great inspiration and leadership. I really admire us of you. And it's an absolute honor to be on here. Thanks a lot, guys. Cheers, Harvey. Cheers, everyone. See you next time.